This morning, Lord, we call on your name in this place. And I just pray as we, we spend some time in your word this morning that you would speak to us, God. Lord, may we leave here differently to how we came in because of who you are in each one of our lives. We worship you and we praise you in this moment, God. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? Can we thank the worship team this morning? Wasn't that awesome? Well, for those of you who I haven't met before, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the the pastors here, as uh, Pastor Dean mentioned this morning. And it's my privilege and and pleasure to be able to share from God's Word uh, with us this morning. And I was thinking during the the week what I was going to speak on. I I was praying to to God and and, and just kind of seeking Him for what He might say to us. And and there was a word that kept dropping into my mind. And it took me a while to decide whether this was just what I was thinking or or whether it was what God wanted to share with us this morning. And the title of my message, and as it comes up on the screen, is this. It's tired. And I promise this won't be a tired message. For those who don't like reading, I put an emoji up there for you. Uh, You know, I'm a big emoji fan. Is there any emoji fans? out in the crowd. There's not a lot of hands in this 9am service. So, so let's go to the next slide. We'll show you what an emoji is. This is the sleeping face. So it's the face with eyes closed and a sleep symbol with ZZZ over the head. Sleepy face emojis to indicate both sleeping and sleepiness. Next slide, please. Also known as the sleep face emoji, the snoring emoji or the ZZ face Emoji for those of you who might use Samsung or another form of platform that is not Apple. But you know, I was thinking during the week how often just I thought, you know, it's just a quick lesson. You can take some notes on that. We'll make that PowerPoint available after for, for non-emoji fans so you can get into it. It's a thing. It's awesome. Uh, you can communicate so much just with one symbol. It's good. But all jokingness aside, you know, one of the, the things I find often, and I, and I tested myself this week, that my common response to things is that I'm tired. Does anyone else feel that? Is there anyone else here this morning that might be tired? I was thinking who might be the tireder service. And the first thing that came to my mind was that the 9am might be the tireder service. But then I thought all of you are out of bed by your own choice at 9am in the morning, knowing we have a 10.30 and a 5. So the 9 won't be the tiredest. My money actually now is on the 10.30. Those who have chosen to sleep in probably rush out of bed a little bit. By 5, I'm hoping most people, even young adults, should be fresh by then. So I think the 10.30 service will be the sleepy service. We'll see. I'll count the hands. There's about half a dozen here this morning. But so often my response to things is that I'm tired. So often one of the things that I feel is tired. Someone might ask me how I'm going, oh, I'm tired. I'll catch myself sitting there on the couch and go, today, I'm tired. And I I noticed that that is the response of, of so many. In the world we live in, it is so busy. There are so many things happening. There are so many things to wear us out and make us tired just in our day-to-day life. You know, there's this, I've got a seven-month-old child now, Boston. He's a great little boy, but, you know, one of the things that I experience is he dictates how much sleep I get. I don't think that's fair. I feel like being the parent, I should dictate how much sleep he gets. But for some reason, it's backward in the order and he decides. So we had a little conversation last night at going to bed. I was like, Boston, he's looking at me. I'm like, son, tonight it's really important that you sleep from 7 till 7. That's the rule. That's how it works. So just sleep from 7 till 7, and that'll be good. Knowing I have to get up at 6, you can get up at 6 too, which means mum will get up with you, but that's, you, you know, you can take that out on her. Last night I got up six times between 7 and 7, and I would love to go back to past Ryan, who used to love a sleep in, who used to love to dictate when he got out of bed in the morning, 
and go enjoy this while you have it still. (laughs) Appreciate and value the sleep in. Because one day, current Ryan is going to have no sleep. And I feel like that's where I live. The last seven months has been the tiredest seven months of my life. I don't understand how I ever felt tired before. (laughs) Because I feel like I do everything that I do now, but with a child who chooses to not let me sleep. And so often in the last seven months, I just feel like I'm tired all the time. That if you ask me, you could do anything in the world, Ryan. You can do, you know, whatever you want. We were in Melbourne uh, a few weeks ago for a conference and the, there was nothing on the first morning. And uh, previous Ryan would have just got up and, and run a mark and, and had a good time. Current Ryan just went straight to sleep and thought, I'm not doing anything other than just sleeping for as long as humanly possible. Uh, and, and just wiped out a whole morning just sleeping in. It's become the most precious thing to me. And I feel like the world that we live in presses this on us. You know, I used to hear people preach on, on rest and, and, and balance and margins and all these words. And I used to be like, oh, that, that stuff's for weak people. You know, like boundaries and margins and sleep. Worry about that when, when you're retired. Or worry about that when you, when you, you can sleep when you're dead. My, my granddad used to say to me, like, sleep when you're dead, son. Get up. Let's go fishing. I'm like, no. But there's this whole mentality that to rest and to, to not have to be pushing at 100 miles an hour all the time is weak. And there's this outside world that is telling us that we have to go, 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 get, get, get. And it can make us really tired. Sometimes we can wear working hard and and striving for for everything and and having a great exterior as being like a badge of honour. How are you? I'm tired. I worked so hard this week. First one in, last one out. And there's nothing wrong with being the first one in, the last one out. But when we wear that as a badge of honour, when that becomes about who we are, when the things of the exterior, outside, dictate the things of the interior, it ends up making us really tired. And I, and I have a fun example to, to show you. Could we put that first photo up for me? And as we do that, I've got permission to do this, so just anyone who thinks I'm being mean to my wife, like, don't come and get me about that afterwards. I, I, I asked about this. And there's this beautiful photo that comes up, and it, and it says, picnic with my bee. And uh, a cool face emoji. And see, so it says a lot. It has 64 likes. That's pretty good. I don't normally get 64 likes on a photo. Any photo of my son puts my likes through the roof. But 64, not that popular. But you look at this photo and you're like, oh, isn't it cute? And then there's all these comments. Oh, look at him. Isn't he the perfect child? Oh, look at you two. Aren't aren't you sweet? And then what I actually discovered was this. Can we go to the next slide? Photo one, not interested. Photo two, still not interested. Photo three, I'm looking but uh, more interested in my feet. Photo... No, not interested. I noticed you didn't post that one. Next one, can you stop? No more selfies, mum. Next one, oh, I'm going to eat my foot. It tastes better than this photo. Next photo, still eating my foot. Next photo, I've had enough completely. And what we discover as we hold on this photo is that it isn't even a picnic with B at all. That's our front lawn. And that's our neighbour's driveway. And so what in the first photo is this amazing picture of a pic- on a picnic rug is really just my son having a grumpy afternoon and chilling out on the grass with his mum. And what looks like the perfect photo actually is about 15 terrible photos <laughs> until finally we could get him to smile and he took another one. Now in this example, there's nothing really wrong with that. But we live in a world where Instagram and the outside, particularly Instagram's classic for this, that photo's not that great. I'm just going to quickly whack a filter on that. I'll just crop that slightly. I'll just make that look a little bit better. And what Instagram paints for us is, is the highlight 
of life. That photo is by far the best. It's not, it's not a doctored photo. It's real. It, it happened. But what it doesn't show us is all the things that happen underneath to get to the outside. There, there's a whole heap of things that happen before that final exterior comes along. And Judah Smith, who, who, who's a preacher I, I love, he's from the States. He's got this great message that he preaches called Instagram Isn't Real. And it's all about this idea that we look at people's highlights of their life, all the, the great things that we see, and that becomes the benchmark for who we are and what we want to be. That it doesn't always show the struggle, it doesn't show the imperfections, it doesn't show the, the work that happens on the inside. It just shows sometimes the, the perfect finish. And sometimes, as he indicates, the finish that isn't even real. And I feel like sometimes, I know for me, I get caught up in this world of wanting to make sure everything on my outside looks perfect. And I end up kind of neglecting what's happening on the inside. That I end up neglecting the, the work that's in the middle, the, the balance that needs to come through there, all the, all the things that Jesus is, is working on and doing in me. I, I sometimes forget because of that picture of all these other things that I need, all the other things that I see. That person's house, what they have, this person's thing that they've got, or that car that they drive, or that suburb that they live in, or that job that they have. Or, you know, one of the things I was thinking of is, it's funny sometimes that where did working hard even come from? First in life, it had to come from comparison, didn't it? That I know that I work hard because I'm comparing myself maybe to someone who doesn't. Or, or, or I know I'm doing the best because there's someone who's not doing quite as good as me. Or, or maybe we look at someone else and go, geez, they don't have it all together. They're a bit lazy. But where does that come from? It comes from comparison to say that what I have is, is better than what someone else has. And Pastor Phil preached a, a great message about walking the straight path last week. And one of the things that he mentioned was what was contentment, wasn't it? That we shouldn't compare and that we shouldn't look just at the exterior and go, I want that and I need that next thing. Because it leads to tightness. It leads to burnout. And sometimes we're chasing something that's not even real. And this morning I wanted to have a look at a passage of scripture as we just painted this picture. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 20 to 30. And we're going to have it up on the screens. This is out of the, the message version. So unless you have a message version, I'd encourage you to, to read the screen or, or you'll find it difficult to follow. But I love uh, this passage. I actually love some of the language that is used in this as well. It kind of just helps paint a great picture for me. So we'll start reading in 20. It says, Next, Jesus let fly on the cities where he had worked the hardest, but whose people had responded the least, shrugging their shoulders and going their own way. Now, you know a group are in trouble when it starts with, now Jesus let fly on the cities around. Like he's not just having to talk to them. He's not just kind of correcting them slightly like Jesus is like letting fly on these people so he's letting them have it he's getting fired up he's, he, you can see there's something in Jesus where he's like he's not happy about this and what he's not happy about is the fact that they're shrugging their shoulders and going their own way and so Jesus says this to them doom to you Terrazin I always think of chorizo when I see that I don't know if anyone else maybe it's because I had it for dinner last night but Doom, Bethsaida, if Tyre and Sidon had seen half the powerful miracles you have seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. At judgment day, they'll get off easy compared to you. And compare them with all your, this is all, with all your peacock strutting, you're going to end up in the abyss. If the people of Sodom had, had your chances, the city would still be around. At judgment day, they'll get off easy compared to you. Now, they're strong words from Jesus. He's not taking this lightly. And you can see that what he's angry at and what he's, what he's getting intense about, what he's like saying to them, letting fly at them is this, is that they're 
angry that he's shown them so much of himself, that he's performed all these miracles, that it's the areas where he's worked the hardest, yet he's had the least response, that they've seen so much of, of what Jesus can do. But what does it say? It's just like they shrug their shoulders and they've just gone back to, to what they see. It hasn't changed anything on the inside of who they are. It hasn't had an impact on them. And so what Jesus is saying is if, if these cities that are, that are mentioned in the Old Testament that were destroyed had half of, were able to see half of what you would see, they would have been turned around in a minute. And I often read this and go, those silly people, <laughs> ah, those silly cities that didn't listen to Jesus, look at the opportunity they had to see and perform all these miracles and all these things, and I think, oh, I wish I had that. Then I think about how I have this Bible that lays it all out for me that tells me all about Jesus. These people were in the middle of trying to figure out something different. And Jesus was there physically revealing himself to them. But so often I gloss over these passages and go, ah, oh, those silly people, Jesus is going to get them. And I think, how many times do I read my word or, or get challenged by, by a message or, or, or see something that needs to change the inside, but on the outside I just kind of go, yep, cool, and, and just keep going and nothing happens. And I just keep doing the same and the same. The passage continues and it says, Abruptly Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that is the way you like to work. Now, I don't know if you can imagine being in this crowd and, and Jesus is teaching and he, and he just immediately gives you a serve straight away <laughs> and, and tells you, you know, You've missed it. You, you, you missed it. The judgment's coming upon you. I can't believe how, how you're acting and, and living. And, and then he starts praying. Like, so he's like, you know, just got the attention. And then he starts talking to God and thanking God, a prayer of thanksgiving, thanking God for, for, for being able to reveal who he is to, to who the ordinary people. You know, sometimes we, I, I know I've done this and I think faith is for, for those that are smart or, or, or doing good things for God is during the week is just for pastors because they're, they're employed to, to work at the church. But actually it says that this kind of relationship, this living with Jesus, this, what he's talking about here, being in, in relationship with him and, and living for him, is actually for the ordinary person. It just needs to pierce into the inside. That we don't have to have it all together, that we just have to meet him where we're at right away and allow him in. Verse 27 Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given all these things to do and say. This is a unique Father-Son operation coming out of the Father and the Son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who is willing to listen. And I love it that Jesus just starts bringing the people in again. That he started so strongly and then he's, he's prayed this prayer that's, that's revealing who God is and, and, and how he works. And then he brings himself into it and says, you know what, this is, this is a Jesus and God thing. That no one knows God the way that the that, that son does, but then no one knows the son the, the, the way God does. And that they're in partnership and that they're doing this together. And then Jesus doesn't just leave it with the doom and gloom the judgment, the harshness. But he says, actually, I'm willing to take you on this journey. For anyone that's willing to listen, that anyone who, who wants to work on this, anyone that wants to know, the, know God, know the Father and know me, I'm willing to go through it 
line by line. I'm willing to take you through it. The message even denotes that he, he's gone from, you know, aggressive and abrupt to, to what? To tender, to, to, to drawing people in, to extending his hand out. And I love it that no matter how many times we, we get it wrong, that Jesus is always there saying, hey, come on this time. Are you ready now? I'll take you through it. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. You don't have to, to worry about the exterior and just getting it right. It's not about how good you can be. But hey, actually, just, just come in here. Just, just lean in. Let's just go through it together. And I love it that he wraps it up in, in 28 to 30. And, and a lot of you would have read this before. It's a, a, a quite a well-known passage. But it says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I, I just love, I just find that so freeing. So it starts in this heavy place where you're like, man, those people are in trouble. And it ends with an invitation from Jesus. And I love the, this phrase where it says, work with me. You know, you would have all heard that we work for the Lord or, or that we're, we're some, some verses will say you're slaves to God or you're, you know, you've got, I love it that Jesus says what here, work with me. Yes, we work for the Lord. And I used to think I'd have to work as hard as possible because it was working for the Lord. And so to, to rest or to, or to take it easy or to, or to, to reflect or to, to pause even for a moment was being lazy or you wouldn't do that because you're working for the Lord. But what I realise is in this, he's saying, Work with me. The, the, the NIV translation talks about the yoke and take my yoke upon you. That doesn't mean just stop doing everything, be burnt out. And just There's still a yoke there, isn't there? There's still kind of a burden to carry. There's still the, the, the things of life. Jesus doesn't say, come and follow me and everything will just be easy. Hard work will never exist. Trial, trouble will never be there and life will be super easy. In fact, I would love it if that is what it said. But it just says... Do it with me. You know, the yoke is now balanced and he's helping us along the way. We're no longer just working to please a master. But as he works with us on the inside, this is where the outside takes care of itself. So often we're worried about this side of things. What's happening on the outside? What are people seeing? What am I building for myself? What do I have? What are the results? And Jesus is like, no, 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 just pause from that. And let's have a look in here. Come along with me. Have a rest. Work with me. Walk with me. Do it with me. You know, the, the, the picture I get of this is like of a first-year apprentice. Like apprentice workers, you know, they're not very useful at the beginning of, of their trade because they can't do anything. So all the time is, you know, you wouldn't want an apprentice electrician wiring up your house, first-year electrician wiring up your house. That would be uncomfortable because they'll make mistakes. They don't know what they're doing. But what they have is, is the, the tradesman that teaches them, that takes them along. They almost can't go anywhere other than to go to get stuff and bring it back. But what are they doing? They're learning the trade, aren't they? And I almost get that impression of that's what Christ calls us to be, is to go and just do it with him. Not to try and figure it out and be wise and sophisticated and, and know everything, but to actually go, hey, I'm just doing this with you, Jesus. Just show me. Just walk with me. And let me discover who you are. And as that works on the inside of who I am, 
the outside is going to look a whole lot better. You know, where, where, where this all starts and, and Jesus is angry because the, the, the people are not re, like repenting from their sin. They're not turning. It's not changing on the inside. It gives that picture of just shrugging the shoulders. It doesn't matter anymore. That there's religious leaders that, that are seeing the, that what Jesus is doing and are amazed by the power of his teaching, but it's not doing anything because they're stuck doing what they always did the way they always did it. And we're so concerned about what religion, what it looks like on the outside, that they just missed who he was and what he was trying to do. And so Jesus starts with the hard talk to get their attention. But really he's just doing it to draw them in with him. You know, this morning I, I don't know whether you feel like you're tired and, and if you've figured out what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about physical tiredness anymore. We can get coffee for that after the service. It does wonders. But I'm talking about that spiritual tiredness. Sometimes that emotional tiredness that can just take its toll from doing things in our own strength, doing it by ourselves, trying to figure it out with no change really on the inside of who we are. And what God would say to us this morning is just, just lean in a little bit. Just surrender that part of yourself. Just get rid of that stuff that's causing you to be tired and focus on who I am and come and see what I have to say. And allow my word and, and my presence to change you from the inside. And all that other stuff on the outside will take care of itself. All the things that you're building and striving for and doing will work itself out. You know, I even get this great picture of the, the disciples who are all so different, all doing different things. And Jesus calls them and they leave what they know all behind. And they follow after Jesus. And how their life works out is it, it no longer, they didn't turn out to be fishermen anymore. They turned out doing these incredible things for God. Starting churches and seeing the word of God flourish all throughout the world. But what did they do? They had to leave behind what they already knew. And they had to walk with Jesus and allow him, sometimes uncomfortably, to challenge what they thought and who they were. But it led them to a life that they could never have had without Jesus in the first place. And I think every time we lean in to who Jesus is, every time we give up a little bit more of who we are and allow him to take that on with us, we become lighter and freer and, and, and full of rest, but also it makes our lives better. And I think that's an incredible thing. I might ask the, the team just to, to come up and join us as we, as we wrap this up. And I just wanted to, to share a personal story, uh, you know, as, as we wrap this up, that from a place where I was a little while ago, and, and this has just been super helpful for me, a couple of years ago, I, I found myself just sitting, actually it was in a church meeting, and I just was complete, and I'd had a, like a pretty bad day and was just completely broken. And I just thought to myself, you know what, at the end of this, I'm just going to, at the end of this kind of event, at the end of this time, I'm, I'm actually just going to give it up. Like I've just kind of had enough, it's not working out for me. And on the outside, everything was okay. You wouldn't have necessarily been able to pick it probably till that moment. Things were going well in, the, in my home life. Things were going well at church, in my, in my work life. I have great friends. And it was all good. And I was sitting there and I'm like, I don't know why I feel like this. I can't actually figure it out. Everything's going so well. Yet all I want to do is kind of pack it all in and go and find something else to do. And I was sitting there and, and a guy came up to me and he just goes, man, you just need to relax. And I was like, I know I'm pretty intense. 
I like to do stuff or, you know, I'm an intense dude. And he's like, not like have a rest, like have a sleep. Like I'm not talking about that. But he's like, you actually just need to chill out and let God do his thing in your life. In fact, he's going to work out what's next. He's going to work out the thing after that. He's going to work out the thing after that. You just need to be and just do what he's telling you to do. And I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, how do I do that? Like, how do I do that? He's like, don't do anything. Just sit here. I was like, okay. So I just sat. And then someone came and prayed for me and they're like, we just pray that he would learn to have balance in his life. And, and it was great. But immediately as all that was happening, I realised that God wasn't talking about balance. He wasn't talking about doing less hours at the office. He wasn't talking about being home more often in, in, in this circumstance. And maybe for you today, that's what that is. Something in your exterior needs to change so God can work on your interior. But for me, it was about, I was just working for God. But I was just doing it in my own strength to do what I thought he was telling me to do. But what he wanted me to do was to do it with him. Just to walk step by step. And what I discovered through that time was there's some things in my life that I needed to change, that I needed to get rid of, that I needed to to kind of stop doing. There's some habits that I discovered that were there that I was like, these just need to shift. Not big things. No one probably really noticed them. But for me, they are everything and they made a massive difference. And so I went from looking at, hey, everything's good on the outside. Everything's working. So now it's working on the inside. And you know what? Over the last two years, they've been, they've been challenging and they've been tough at times. But there's been this new rest in my life to go, you know what? God has it under control. And so we've had some of the greatest challenges in our, in our lives over the last little while. But you know what? The whole time I felt at rest knowing that God is in control. I haven't lost sleep at night only through to a ch- crying baby, but not through worry or stress or or thinking about what could happen next. Or have I got it all together? Or am I doing what I should be doing? Or is, is my stuff as good as, is, as everybody else's stuff? Does my youth ministry look as, as good as the, the one 15 minutes up the road? Is my house as nice as my neighbours? Am I working hard enough to, to show everyone that I, that I have a good work ethic? Am I making enough money? All of those kind of things just disappeared. And what I was left with was just this rest that Jesus is in control. And I went from feeling tired and literally burnt out to going, you know what? God's in control of this. And we just kept doing stuff and kept going and going. And the last season of time has been amazing. But the best part about it is not all the great things that have occurred in those those two years. It's actually just been the feeling of rest on the inside knowing who's in control. And so this morning, as we we sing one more time, as we just focus on on God in His presence, today I just want to ask you, are you tired? Do you feel burned out? Does something need to happen on the inside of who you are with Jesus this morning to help change what's happening on the outside of your life? And if that's the case, take this moment this morning to do that to hand over those things, maybe just to clear some space and go, you know what? I'm going to walk with you. You're in control. I give you the trust. And no longer will you feel tired and burnt out, but I believe that God will begin to restore, begin to bring things to life, begin to energise your relationship with Him. And as you prioritise that, you won't even need to think about the external things. They'll take care of themselves. What you will build for yourself 
is an incredible life built on Jesus Christ that's full of peace. What does it say? The unforced rhythms of grace over and over again. Can I pray for us this morning? God, I thank you that that you call us to, to do life with you, not to do on our own, not to strive for ourselves, but just to walk with you, to work with you, to live with you, knowing that we can have grace and peace and rest. And so God, this morning, I pray for anyone here that's feeling tired, that's feeling burnt out, that's feeling separated from you, that in this moment, they would make that right with you. For those who feel like there's turmoil on the inside, God, as we we sing to you, as we, we lift our voices to you, may we find rest here in your presence. God, I pray for each one of us, you would continue to change us from the inside, God. From the inside out, not the outside in. That we'd be focused on kingdom business, that we'd be focused on who you are, God. And that that would dictate who we are. Come on, why don't we stand across this place? We're going to worship God one more time. We're going to sing. Let me encourage you to open your heart to God this morning, to press into His presence, to allow Him to work on you on the inside this morning. Come on, let's sing.